Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to part two of Homo Sapiens. If you haven't heard part one, go back to the feed. This is not where you need to be. If you have, here's part two of our incredible chat with Zander and Brandon, who are working to reverse don't say gay law in Florida. But what's fascinating as well is that so prior to this bill, you actually were an out school class president who was very supported. And then suddenly, as this bill starts to get closer and closer, you're being silenced, right? I, I hadn't actually realized that. In February, when or in March, when we really talked about like what this law would do, and I did press some people ask, what will this law do? I said, well, first of all, it's not going to be K through three. Second of all, it's not just going to be classrooms. And I was told mm-hmm. that we were being dramatic or that we didn't know what we were talking about. And unfortunately, I'm now the hypothetical that I discussed a few months ago, right? Like I'm living that experience and I'm not the only one. So we really need to think critically, not only about why legislation like this is arriving in our states and in this country, but we need to think critically about what our response is because it's also not sustainable mm. to be throw like have pulled together this massive team of lawyers and have this incredible complaint and lawsuit every time a piece yeah. of legislation like this yeah. comes. we need to get preemptive with our advocacy and that's why this initiative is spreading and that's why we are doing so much growth work is because we, we have to be focused on elections we have to be focused on the problems before they're created Yes. And then, so you send this tweet, you haven't done the speech yet. I'm just getting the timeline right in my head. And you haven't done the speech yet. Then when you do the speech, presumably, this was already international news, and you decide to do something clever with your speech involving curly hair. Would you tell us all that? Because it was so brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So just a bit of context, the week leading up to graduation, I cannot express to you how catastrophic our community was. It it genuinely felt apocalyptic. There were extra police and security all around the school. There were press vans in the bus loop, the chief of the principal's office. Um, Then there was a large scale call to have my principal wear a bulletproof vest at graduation and administration said nothing. So no one said anything. Can I just check as well? Sorry for the, for the Brit. What is administration? So administration are our principals, our vice principals, our guidance counselors. Okay. The people who run the school. Got it. So our people who run the school did, did not release a statement. They did not calm down parents. They did nothing. And so the entire community was like, oh my God, is there a reason? Is someone going to die at graduate? I cannot, ex- it was fear mongering. It was, everyone was, Whoa. and so I knew that going into that setting and delivering a, a speech about the don't say gay law, not only would it not resonate, not only would it not be impactful, it could actually be dangerous. It could detract from the movement entirely. And so I, immediately that wasn't an option because I'm all, also, I just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be forced to make the choice between having my rights and destroying a celebration for hundreds of my friends, right? Because that's, that's the choice they were trying to give me. 
Can I also add, there's a discussion that the principal should wear a bulletproof vest, but not you, and you're doing a speech. Well, unfortunately, I mean, I got so many death threats in person and online. It was a horrifying, it was the worst week of my life. Really? It was the worst week of my life. But because I was the one who sent the tweet, there was a lot of rhetoric about, well, that's what you signed up for, so suck it up. Um, and it was just a really isolating experience. But that's not the important bit. The important bit is that I knew that, well, first of all, I'm not going to run the celebration. But second of all, I'm not going to start a statewide protest calling people to stand up to their government and then back down. You know what I mean? So I'm going to mm-hmm. find a way to mm-hmm. do both. And it took me a very long time to figure out how I wanted to do it. But the reason I ended up, I ended up using my curly hair as a metaphor for my sexuality. And I did that for two reasons. One, I think it makes it very clear that human sexuality is just a component of being a human. It is part of my biology. It is part of my identity. It is just a characteristic and it deserves love and respect like every other part of me. And then two, throughout history, the LGBTQ plus community has had to rely on coded signals and messaging to identify and to create community. And so this was kind of a call to that in recognizing that we are moving backwards through history. We are literally regressing through history and having to revert back to the old ways because we're being oppressed by our policy again. And Mm. I think when those two things aligned for me, I knew that that would be the speech, but I I had no idea that it would click like that for so many people because there was hate. Like I, I cannot, there was so much hate, but there was so much love and there were so many people conservative people, families that are typically not supportive of the LGBTQ community, people who didn't understand the law. So many people that typically wouldn't even be in my corner suddenly were like, wait, when you break it down like that, this law is ridiculous. This is, wait, you had to talk about your hair? I think using a little bit of humor, it, it pointed out that it, it it's, it's, it's not laughable. It's scary and it's horrible, but it's almost comical how irresponsible the legislature is. Well, you brought some humor to it because uh, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth but you know you sort of said as some of you will know something you've known something about me for a long time is that I have that I dot 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 have curly hair and then you sort of talked about what how you manage it and things like that was that right but obviously it was clear you were talking about being a gay man talk about trying to straighten it I talk about Florida's climate making it very difficult to have curly hair I talked I tried to find as many parallels as possible because I talked about other curly haired kids because there are so many of them and they're not going to have support systems I think doing it that way, though, when you really just identify that this is just a group of children that have a characteristic that you're targeting because of that characteristic, it's just, it's so wrong and it's hurtful. And how did you have that idea? Do you remember the moment you decided that was the metaphor to use? Do you want the real story? Always. The real story is when I was doing the college application process, Duke actually has an optional essay where they say you can describe your sexuality. And a lot of schools kind of in the South will do stuff like this just because typically LGBTQ plus students aren't attracted to Southern schools, period. Right. So I kind of thought about it and I was like, I'm not going to give them my full coming out story. I don't think they want that. I wonder if there's like a way to make it kind of cute and funny for them. Just kind of break it down, make it unique. And I ended up writing about, I describe my sexuality as a pimple on my forehead. I said, it's a big throbbing thing that I cannot cover up and it's all anyone thinks about. And I just want to pop it. And I was like, I'm not, I cannot deliver that to a national platform at my graduation. I do not think that yeah. I can talk about a pimple oozing sexuality everywhere. Um, and so I, I kind of sat there and I was like, there has to be another way for me to break it down. And um, I literally think I just looked in the mirror and was like, wait, straight in it. And then, was, and, then I, and then I went with it. Wow. And so tell me a bit about 
the moment before you opened your mouth to do that speech? Because I can't imagine, like you say, the, the school is covered in news stations. Like, what, what did that feel like, that moment? One of, one of the lawyers actually from the case had come down to see the speech and film it and see what was going on. And they were, first of all, screened by security and then pulled out during the ceremony again because they had said that they'd come for me to get screened by security again. Like, everyone who said that they had anything to do with me got, like, flagged and, like, censored. and wow. it, was, it was horrifying. But I was actually working on the speech. I was, okay, graduation for me was miserable. Our graduation ceremony is famous because it's like five hours long because every single graduate has a two-minute blurb about them, which is, which is cute in theory, but like when you're sitting through it, truly painful. And so that whole time I'm out in the hallway, I'm figuring things out. Actually, 20 minutes before the speech, I call Roberta Kaplan, like my lawyer, and I say, oh my gosh, are people going to get that I have curly hair? I'm wearing a graduation cap. And so during the speech, like I, I think everyone sees me take off the cap and show my hair. That was figured out 15 minutes beforehand like that. And I was changing the speech wow. bit by bit up until it, because I would keep, I had actually, this feels, it was, we were so scared. We got so structured about it. I had people from the audience literally text me what people were talking about, because again, not to right. be an egomaniac, that is all anyone was talking about like people taking pictures tweet it was it was crazy and so i would be like i need you guys to give me kind of a feel of what people are thinking how people are talking and so up until the very minute of the speech i'm trying to calculate do i need to open with a joke should i break it down like how do i do this like how do i navigate this because when you know that there are eyes on the situation and mm. there's i just felt such a responsibility it was just, it was so awesome. and people don't look at the first half of the speech most of the time but there's actually like a two minute period where I get up to the podium and I just start moving things around. Like I change out the principal's binder. I put my binder there. I change stuff. I get water. I move my snacks. I'm just like, I need to break this down as much as possible. So that the second I start, nothing can go wrong. And I take my time. And like, right. there's actually moments where the audience just laugh. Cause it's, I'm just, I'm so clearly trying to take all of the energy out of the room. Interesting. And what do you, what do your family think about this? How do you become this person? How do I, I think you become this person out of necessity. You, this, my advocacy has always felt like self-defense. And I think it's always just felt like a, 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 such an inherent response to living in a society that oppresses people. Help them become unoppressed. Help yourself become unoppressed. And it's always just mm-hmm. felt very natural to me. And um, my family and I have, we've, we are a growth team. We've, it's been difficult. And I think it's important to recognize that it's not going to be a perfect path for everyone. Because it was isolating for me when, because I struggled with my family and we struggled together to think that coming out was a perfect experience. And it was not for us. But mm-hmm. when this happened, because there was just an obscene amount of death threats and fear and fear, it, it actually really brought us together. We kind of, there was no room for little arguments or everything mattered less when there's people showing up to your office screaming about your child. Because that happened a couple of times. We had people, really? go parents, places of work, trying to debate them about me. It was just, we really came together because we needed to. And it, it's been great for us. But They've been very supportive. They were, they obviously were horrified about the graduation speech at first. They were like, you can say nothing. Don't do anything. Just sit there, say you love the class, smile and leave. Because I, I, I don't go into grocery stores alone anymore just because people will try to, it's crazy. And so they, however, they loved the speech. They were very happy with it. They, um, cause I also, no one really saw it until it happened. There was like one or two of my organizers and the lawyers that I bounced it from, but no one really, my mom saw it, but no one really saw the final product until it was given and, I think they were really happy, but I just, I can't blame them for being scared because I'm scared. Yeah. How much of your time is this, both of you, is this taking up? Because one thing you alluded to earlier was that, you know, 
we can't be mounting international lawsuits every time something regressive like this happens. But how much of this time, I imagine, Brandon and Zander, it's it's different for each of you, but but massive. Most of my time is my activism and my organizing, working with the Social Equity and Education Initiative. Like it's a it's a it's a full takes up all of my time just because it's so there's so much happening in Florida, and I think the lawsuit takes up a bit of it too, but. Brandon, I'll let you, I can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's the, it's a major undertaking and our firm Kaplan, Hecker and Fink has really dedicated a lot of people, a lot of hours to challenging this because we care a lot about bringing it down. But exactly as, as was said earlier, you know, this it's, it's, it's sad to see that something like this can just kind of be signed into law so easily by people without Mm. necessarily thinking about the consequences and about the legal problems with it. And it requires disproportionately large, you know, response in terms of resources to actually fight it. And it requires, it requires a lot of the courts too. You have to go and you have to sue over this. We're the first lawsuit, but I would be shocked if we're the last, you know, I would not be surprised if in due time, especially with the law going in tomorrow, uh, you know, a teacher is, um, you know, subjugated to some kind of adverse action that would give rise to liability under, for instance, Title VII, because it's still federal law that you can't discriminate based on sexual orientation or gender identity. And that's going to give rise to all sorts of lawsuits as well. So, you know, this is just, it's it's disappointing that this is where we're at and it's not going to end anytime soon. It's taken a lot just for us to bring this facial challenge against the law. Um, but it's kind of like, as one of my colleagues has said, it's a lawsuit factory too, because it's any parent with a concern tomorrow, it's open season, you know, and it's not just going to be on one side of the divide. This may be a law that's been created by, pro- or, you know, the proponents wanted it because they had particular targets, which is in the LGBTQ community. But depending on how the law ultimately shakes out, it's going to be any parent on either side, everybody can sue their school districts, it's going to be chaos. And, you know, it's hard to Mm. see how Florida school systems are going to be able to function very well under this kind of environment. Um, But it's, it's certainly been a lot of time already for us. And we're very proud of that. But throughout the advocacy process, we've spoken to hundreds of school officials, not one person that is paid by the government to work at a school thinks that this will make their jobs or their school environment more productive. Not a single one, zero out of hundreds. 
if this isn't able to be reversed, let's talk about the real effects on what that's going to do to kids because it's massive. I mean, I'm confident. I'm confident in this complaint, but I'll like. But we have to think even up until that complaint, right? Like, what is this law going to be doing mm, when we yeah. have systems of protection? And it's really scary because school, public education, is the only space in the United States all children are guaranteed access to. And so, when that space becomes hostile for certain groups of children, what you're doing is you're specifically making life very difficult for children that come from backgrounds without great support networks, without supportive family, yeah. without the resources to get support elsewhere. And so, what you're going to see happen is the main reasons that being LGBTQ plus doesn't make you more likely to adopt or to have mental illness, right? Like it does not make you more likely to be depressed or to have suicidal ideation. What causes that is all of the impacts of being LGBTQ plus in a non-affirming environment. So when you feel invalid, when people tell you that you're invalid, when you don't have someone to talk to, when you don't have representation, those are the things that cause LGBTQ plus children to experience disproportionate levels of depression and suicidal ideation. And so you're going to see one, a tremendous resurgence of that at schools because it's science, it's, it's research. We tell you that when children feel as though they do not belong in their peer group and they have no one to reach out to and then no support to then have a group or a community, they isolate. And so for those children that I was telling you about that don't have support elsewhere, the choice becomes I'm either not going to come out at all or I'm not going to come out safely. And that is the point. Mm. What this law is intending to do is to eradicate the LGBTQ plus population. And it's doing that by giving them an impossible choice. So you're going to have less kids comfortable to come out. And this isn't a guess either. We've had proponents of the actual legislation say, there's just so many kids coming out in schools nowadays. We got we to put a stop to this. And that's the point of this legislation. And so you're going to have these kids hide themselves. And then that's going to be the first impact. And the second impact is all of the damage that that does to them internally. And that's just like immediate. And then you, that's not even thinking about teachers. That's not even thinking about what it's going to do for school families and communities. It's also not even talking about what it's going to do for straight students that are now being deprived of understanding what the actual texture of the United States and what communities actually like for their entire education. You're now, every single person in Florida schools is going to have a lower quality of education next year. Mm. And you said a very poignant thing before, which was that school is where you experiment with who you are and it should be built to be you know, an environment where that can happen. And this is deliberately shutting that down. Well, the first person I ever came out to was a teacher. I um, came out at school right. before home. I came out to a teacher before a friend. I did, because I've said it once this way, and I think it makes a lot of sense. You don't want to do your debut performance on Broadway. When you come out to people you've lived with your entire lives and are going to continue to live with, people that think they know everything about you, and you're about to say, prank, you actually don't, it's horrifying. And it's the, the stakes mm. are sometimes like life or death for people. And it's just, it's not, it's not a comfortable environment to do something for the first time. And so you try it out with people that either A, aren't as crucial to your life or B, you know, are going to be accepting. And so a teacher or a school staff or a friend at school is all of those things most of the time. And so Mm. it's so deliberate. It's, we know this, this is something that is so discussed and so evidently essential for the LGBTQ plus community And so the legislation is taking that away. Mm. So February is the trial. What can we and listeners listening who are a mobile bunch, I'll tell you that, what can we do to help? Where where can we head to? I started following C on Instagram earlier. Um, I'm going to shameless plug, y'all, the Social (laughs) Equity and Education Initiative, the C Initiative. 
I I would not be able to do anything in our organization. We are we're currently about 2,000 activists. We're actually spreading across the country right now, which is so exciting. We have centers in New York and LA. We're actually going to get physical like spaces and centers and buildings here in Florida because we're going to end up. So I'm just, I'm so excited because I really we do great work and any capacity that you can support this initiative, I urge you to. Um, whether that's with your time, your energy, your money, it doesn't matter. We need your help. Um, but we're doing so much this year around legislation, um, like the Don't Gay Law. Here in Florida, we're going to start creating these large support systems, and we do this virtually, and we're going to do it in person as well, just to create those safe spaces that are being lost in the schools. We do a lot around youth voter registration work. We do a lot around our local campaigns. It's going to come down to school boards. We need to start creating these layers of protection for students now locally, and so investing a lot of time and energy into working on fieldwork campaigns for progressive candidates. We're doing a lot of work on creating just large level organizing and protests as well. We're the people doing those walkouts. We are the people doing the rallies. We are the people doing those large scale protests. And it, that requires time, energy, money. And that's just, we're, we're going full gear, everything, our policy team, our research team. And I just, you're going to see a lot of exciting things. We're doing work with Instagram um, for the next half of the year. We're going to register a bunch of people to vote on Instagram using that as a platform one-on-one, just going to be really great. And we found it it breaks it down for our generation. We found when we connect with youth voters on Instagram, it, it, um, it makes mm-hmm. the process no longer intimidating and we've gotten way better engagement. And so it's just a lot of ways about getting creative in one, how we do our advocacy, how we're doing actual physical organizing, like being out there, chanting, protesting, urging our politicians. And then two, how we're being smart about doing that preemptively, how we're working and voting, how we're supporting candidates, how we're writing better policy. And I think when you create a full, holistic, preemptive response to hateful legislation like this, that is the best way that you can help. I mean, the lawsuit, that's the cleanest way to stop a law like this going into effect. But the next best way for everyone listening is to do things like support the Social Equity and Education Initiative, because it's these local advocacy hubs that are what is going to carry the state and our community through up until February, right? Because until then, there is a support system. So you need to invest in those support systems because it's, it's not just about, okay, we can eradicate this law. It's about we need to be protecting the children and all of the lies up until then, because they matter until February too. Thank you for that. And that's brilliant. And this is a slightly off topic question in some respects, but how has America ended up where it is right now with Roe versus Wade, gun crime, this? Is, it, is this all, you know, you obviously, nobody has the full answer, but is this flowing back from Trump or is this more complex? I'm going to answer it like this. When something like the Don't Say Gay Law arises and when I see these pockets of hate and this little legislation, the internet explodes in that 45-minute period, everyone's panicked, mm-hmm. and then in a week, we're panicking about the next thing, Right. And it, it, it makes it seem like, oh my gosh, so many bad things are happening. It's, it's such a crazy time to keep responding. But when you zoom out, when you look at the fact that 2021 in the United States, it was a record-breaking year for homophobic legislation. That should have happened in 1970, right? Like when you're looking at things like this, when you zoom out and see the bigger picture, the reason that we've gotten to this place in the United States, the reason that we're having in this culture is because we're not treating the loss of human rights as an emergency, Each time that it happens, we respond, we say that it's bad, and then we move on, but we need to be treating each one like it's a critical, urgent emergency, because it is. Because each time that we don't respond like it's an emergency, we accept the loss of human rights into a fabric of living in the United States. We accept it as a part of everyday life. And that seems like just what you have to do to survive, right? Like, it seems like, oh, like, when we we, we just have to move on, we have to keep going. No. You need to freak out a little. You need to remind yourselves and your communities and your representatives that this is an emergency. Because when you don't, when you accept it as a part of everyday life, 
it becomes a part of everyday life. And that's how it becomes mm-hmm. a fabric of the country and just a part of the culture is because it happens over and over and over and over and over again. And you don't respond more each time, you respond less. And this is what I said in my speech, but you need to respond more every single time that there is an instance of hate and every time that there is an attack and it needs to build up in a response momentum, not break down in a loss of energy. And that is why we've had this culture. And so I think if we ever want to have a shot at undoing where we are and kind of coming back to a country that does provide freedom and equity for everyone, every time that there is an attack on any group of human beings in this country, everyone needs to collectively treat it like an emergency. If that is not achieved, we will not advance. I'm inspired by those two. Hallelujah, I am inspired. Makes me feel... Oh, look, my husband's calling me. I think this means he's made me lunch. Hang on. Hello? Hello? You hung up? Wonderful. Get in touch. At Homo Sapiens on Instagram. At Homo Sapiens Podcast on Facebook. Hello at homosapienspodcast.com. I love you all and what an inspiration those two are. Thank you, thank you a thousand times. Thank you for listening. Love ya. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Powered by Spirit Studios.